tonight, I want to talk to you about prayer again, but differently. Maybe differently than you've ever thought of it before. And I know last week was different for you. But before we get into that, I, I just want to take you there a different, maybe a different route. I'm curious if any of you recognize these guys. Whoa, that was quick. All right, some of you recognize them. Uh, anybody throw out some names? Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and Bruce Willis. Love his hair. Yep. Uh, these three guys, they opened a restaurant chain a few years ago, quite a few years ago, called Planet Hollywood. Ever been, anybody been to a Planet Hollywood? It's kind of a fun restaurant idea. Unfortunately, it hasn't done well. I think they had some management problems, probably. I don't know. But these guys were investors in it. And years ago, when I used to live in the L.A. area, you know what would happen all the time. People knew I lived in the L.A. area, so they would say, you know, they would come to visit. And you know what people always ask me? Do you know any stars? And, you know, we always laugh and say, ah, oh, no. Nah. And you know what? All the years, I mean, I went to college in the L.A. area for five years, and then I lived, I worked in a church for 10 years. And we would take kids to TV show taping. So we would see, you know, to, as a fundraiser. That was a great fundraiser, by the way. You go see a sitcom, you know, the laugh track, that's real. And we'd take kids and sit there and watch a TV show being filmed. So we've seen a lot of, you know, actors over the years or whatever. But one day... Years and years ago, I was, I was at this event, and I was walking through this crowd, and there was this tight group of people around somebody, and I didn't know who it was, but you always just kind of wander over just to see who it is. And it was, it was one of those experiences where, you know how crowds move like an amoeba, kind of? It's, like it's like they have a movement to them, and all of a sudden, I was in the middle of that circle, and there was this man standing here in my chest. He was about this big, and it was that guy in the middle. It was Arnold. He's about this, I mean, not Arnold, um, Stallone. <laughs> Stallone, he was, about, <laughs> he was about this big. And when I first saw him, I was shocked because uh, he had just done, um, what was the movie he did where he really got ripped? Do you guys, anybody remember that? Rambo. Yeah, the, okay, it was Rambo, First Blood. He had just, he'd just done the second one of those. And, I mean, he was, I mean, he was really amazing looking dude, but he was, he was this big. And I was stunned. Because I just, you know, in the movies, you, it's just different that way. And, you know, <laughs> I feel like a goof. You know, I'm standing there like, hello. And he goes, you know, you know how he does. <laughs> and uh, so I just kind of kept walking because I didn't want to be, you know, a star-struck struck weirdo or whatever. And then another time, I was at one of these Planet Hollywoods with some friends. We were going. It was actually a bunch of youth pastors. We had a meeting at the district office in Southern California. And we went to the Planet Hollywood there in Orange County. And there was a guy opening the door who looked just like Schwarzenegger. It was really weird. And he, he was a big man. I mean, he was a really big dude. So we were thinking, ah, that can't be him. There's no way he would be opening the door for anybody. So as we're walking up, and, you know, as we're walking up, we're kind of goofing around with the guy. And, you know, everybody's, like, uh, trying to talk like Arnold to him and everything. And, and so as we were walking in, I said, dude, I bet you get sick of that, don't you? And he goes, the guy goes, yeah, besides, I'm way bigger than him. And... <laughs> Again, I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, not, these guys are, what, what's funny about that is we think we know them, don't we? Because you see a movie, and you don't know anything about them. I mean, you see them in a movie, and they're reading lines, and they're acting, and they're, being, they're trying to be somebody. And, and of course, some, of the, some people are better actors than others. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I mean, there's some people who you, they play really divergent parts, you know, and different accents and mannerisms. And I mean, that's like real, you know, method acting, amazing. And then some people are pretty much the same person in every movie. 
just a different name, but it's the same attitude, character, everything, right? But we don't know them. You don't know anything about them. Then you hear about something going on in their life, and you realize, you feel like, like it was somebody you knew. I mean, it's silly, isn't it? But do you guys remember when the OJ thing happened? You guys remember that? I was actually on the 405 freeway at the time, and we're hearing about it on the news, and we're seeing crowds of people as I was driving south, and people are, there's people crowded on the overpasses. Do you know why? We thought we knew this guy. We thought that the same guy that was in those commercials jumping over the chairs and that big smile, and you thought, this couldn't be happening. He's such a neat guy, right? <laughs> Anybody know this guy? Who knows him? You know? <laughs> you would not believe how many people came up to me in the last three, four weeks and said, did you see that guy from South Africa? I said, yeah, I did. That's amazing. And then I promise you, two people said, do you know him? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying not to laugh out loud because they're, they're just people who see me, you know, strangers who see me in public with like shorts on and they see I'm an amputee. And I, I think, what do you think? We all know each other. <laughs> like we just share emails like, hey, we're on a list now and we'll hang out sometime. And, and so I'll say, no, not really. And, but it's funny because then they'll talk, and, and I get what they're saying, you know, because, yeah, I'm an amputee. He's an amputee. Yeah, he's a world-class sprinter. Um, I'm not, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's not quite the same thing, you know. He's probably got, I don't know how many sets of legs to run on. You know, I've got one. I've got to make do everything. Um, it's not the same. But I do have something in common with him. I mean, I do... I can relate to something about him probably more than most of you. I mean, somewhat, but I don't know him. You know, it's, you know. How about this? I, I just put into Google famous people, and these are the, all the ones that popped up on the first page. See anybody you know? You don't see anybody you know? Oh, you know, okay. I mean, I see a lot of people on there that are famous that, it's interesting, isn't it? Because some of those people you may feel more or less of a connection with for, for whatever reason. Maybe they were president at an era that you remember, or maybe you voted for someone that's up there. Maybe, maybe it was an actor you related to or someone that you studied in history. And, oh, I noticed there's two Abraham Lincolns there. Huh. That's weird. He's twice as famous. Oh, there's two Obamas. You know what? It's the same Obama picture, too, isn't it? Oh, that's amazing. Well, anyway, as much as we think we know them, none of us really know them, do we? No, I mean, none of us know, know them. We know a lot about them, and I bet some of you know more about some of them than the rest of us. I mean, there's definitely probably teachers in here. Who knows cars? I know some of you really know cars. Kathy Little, you know cars? Oh, <laughs> you said yes. I mean, I know some of you do. I know some of you are mechanics. I mean, you do that professionally. You know cars. And I always think it's funny because I feel like I, there's certain things I feel like I know. And then you always send, end up running into somebody who you don't really know. You know, and then you're embarrassed that you said anything because they know so much more. It's like, ah, I can't believe I said anything. Because now, because uh, if you were to get inside that car and really look at what's inside of it, I don't know any of that. Or how about these? You guys know these? 
I mean, I know how to work them as long as they're working. As long as they do what they're supposed to do, or at least what I think they're supposed to do, and, and it's working for me, it's all good. But then when you go deeper into them, uh-uh, not even close. I thought I knew once, and I was trying to fix one myself. Has anybody ever done that on a computer? I would not recommend it. It gets expensive. And, uh, yeah. How about these? Oh. You, you like cats? Oh, I'd feed a cat to that maybe, but... All right, well, cat, okay, dogs, we feel like we know them, right? And then this happens, because you don't really know, or, I mean, some of them, you know, you kind of know, right? And then they look, I don't know about him, or him, I mean, you know, you don't know. <laughs> How many know this? A map? It's a map, right? That's good. Map of what? Does anybody know? Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever lived there? All right, that's not fair. <laughs> Alique's back here. She's from France, so that's not fair. But, but you're right. Okay. Okay, and you know what? That's true. You do. You know, you know way more than any of us. Who's been there? Anybody been there? You saw a picture <laughs> once. Okay. Okay, a few of us have been there. And I mean, compared to others, we may feel like we know it, but we don't know it. Nowhere near like, like Alix, right? Nowhere near like she knows it. And nowhere near like somebody who actually lives there lives there knows it. You know how it is when you actually know a neighborhood or you know a history or you know what it used to be and how that one store used to be this store. And you know what I'm saying? So who knows him? This picture... I, I, you know, I struggled with what to put up here. You know, there's so many depictions of Jesus and what he looked like or didn't look like. And, um, I mean, we know he wasn't an, you know, Eastern or Indo-European guy, obviously. <laughs> so, with all the limitations of what Jesus would have looked like, do we know him? I mean, do you really know him? Or do you know about him or do you know him? Because all those other things we were talking about, we really don't know those. We feel like we do. We have some connection to them. But it's not the same. And ultimately, none of that really matters. I mean, it really doesn't. But this matters. Not only does this matter, but this will matter not only just now, but forever and ever and ever. Do you know him? Do you know him? Know him? (laughs) Do you want to know him more? Are you compelled to be closer to him? I mean, closer all the time. One of my theology professors in college, he, he was from South Africa. He had both his feet, but he was from South Africa. And he had that, that South African Afrikaans accent. So as an American listening to that, man, he just sounded smart. And, and he, would, um, he would quote scripture just... I mean, constantly. I mean, he would quote chapters to prove a point. I remember one summer he came back from, from the summer, uh, one, one fall, and we said, we said, Dr. Wright, what did you do this summer? And he said, oh, I read Karl Barth. And we said, well, what, what book? And he said, all of them. I'm like, duh, all of them. Like, oh, okay. And he used to always say this, that theology must be pectoral. And we used to laugh because it just sounded funny. And then the more I listened to him, the more it made sense. And he would say this. 
Nobody has better theology than the devil. Think about that. He knows. He knows more than any professor of theology. He knows the book. He knows the ins and outs. And that doesn't save you. If it's not here, then none of it matters. It's not about, it's about quality. It's about how much you know him. It's, it's not just about the quantity. It's not about knowing things about them. It's not about learning in a textbook or knowing everywhere they went or the dates that are important in their life or all the things we learn in history are so important, but that's not really what it's about when it comes to knowing Jesus. Do you know him, know him? Do you have an experiential relationship with him? Is it something that it's, that's of quality? It doesn't even matter really the length of time as much as it matters how much you know him. Because I know people that I've known. Nicole and I were kind of talking about this the other day, talking about you know high school reunions and that kind of thing. And I was just thinking about people I went to high school back then. I know them. I don't know them. I knew them 30 years ago. But I haven't known them for 30 years. You see the difference? Maybe you had an experience with Christ 20, 10, 5 years ago. But has it been growing that whole time? Could you say that you're a friend of God? Because if you were a friend, you would really know, know him, right? It's one thing to know somebody. I mean, you've experienced this, haven't you, where say you meet somebody. I mean, what do we do first? This is just human nature. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just how we are. The very first thing we do is we notice aesthetics. That's normal. We notice hair color, eyes, shape, no hair color, whatever. You notice what you notice, right? That's all you notice. You notice differences. You notice similarities. But then as you get to know people, all that stuff kind of drops away, and then you know the person. And then it's a name. It's, a, it's an individual that you know. And somebody may come up and say, oh, you know that person? They've got, you know, they're about this big and, you know, bald. And, and you're thinking, uh, yeah, because that's not how you know them anymore. If they said... Do you know Dennis? You say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. It's different because now you know that person. But we could even take it a further level. I mean, how, how well do you know the people that you maybe go out to eat with? Or even more, someone who you've been in their home. Because when you're in their home, what do you see? You see how they live. You see how they decorate. You see what's important, what goes on the fridge. Right? Then you know them. Or better, see what's in the fridge. You ever do that? How many check the medicine cabinet? I'm just, none of you will admit it, will you? Well, I'm going to do this next time we have somebody over. I keep saying I'm going to do it and forget. I'm going to definitely put some marbles in there in a tin and have it setting on the door. So it's just because it's funny, not because I care, just because it's funny. But you would know them, wouldn't you? Even that would tell you something about people. So my question really is, do you want to know him more? Do you want to? I want you to want to so badly, and my goal tonight is to motivate you to want him more, but that's what I want. Did you know, I'm going to let you in on a secret, that's what he wants. That's all he wants. I loved it. I don't remember if it was last Wednesday or last Sunday. Recently, pastor said something about, we don't want your money. I love that, because God doesn't really want your money either. He wants your heart. And the money, unfortunately, sometimes is on the way to the heart, but he doesn't really care about that. Let me ask you a question that's difficult for all of us to answer at times. 
Have you ever been closer to him than you are now? Can you think of a time in your past where you were closer to God? And things, many things can change that. Time, life, cares of life, whatever. Regardless of whatever those things might be, was there a time you were closer? Ever closer? That song that Nick and Cherie led, and uh, it's an old, old song. And I didn't know they were going to do that for sure. I know Nick and I were talking about the service tonight. I mentioned what, we're, what I was preaching on, and he said, we could do that song. And um, the words really, really convict me. I was reading an old preacher, Spurgeon. Have you ever heard of, ever heard of Spurgeon? <laughs> he said in the sermon, we don't lie until we start singing our hymns. You ever thought about that? We say things in songs we want to be true, but they're not. Because we're not living up to the, the goals that we have set for ourselves, the spiritual goals. And even as we are singing this song, I was feeling convicted. Because I do want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want to know him more. I do want to touch him to see his face. I want, I want him to be like that with me. I want to be in a continual state of communion with him. Not to the point where I'm weird and detached from reality, but because I, I, I really believe that our God is a real God. I mean, he walked on earth. And people, people were drawn to him. I love that about him. When you think about Christ and his, how he was living and walking on this earth, the only people who were not drawn to him were the religious false people fake people. That's it. Everybody else was drawn to him. I want to be like that. I want to walk that close to him that that's how it is. Pastor mentioned this scripture in his sermon on Sunday, John 15. I'm going to take parts of this and I want us to catch some of the things he's saying here. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me also as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and I, what I did is I took clips of these next four verses if you do not remain in me, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, now remain in my love. Are you seeing a pattern? Remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. First thing, you are already clean. This, this sermon tonight and this message from scripture really isn't to people who are not Christians. So I apologize if you're here and not a believer. This is really for believers. This is for believers who God is calling to a closer relationship with him. When Jesus was speaking these words, he was speaking them to the disciples, and he didn't want them to misunderstand, so he clarified and he said, you are already clean. That's not the issue. You're going to heaven. But do you want to go closer to him? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you're going to get there. That's not the point. But what he was trying to say is, you can go, but I want closer. I want more of you. 
I don't want to just get in. I want to get in, but I want to be there close to him. Did anybody count how many times he said remain? Ten. Ten times in that passage. Ten times. You remember how it was in school where they told you, if the teacher repeats it, pay attention or write it down because it might be on the test? This is going to be on the test. He wants you, what does he mean, remain? Remain, what he's saying in this word, it's, it's a word that means, we, we have a similar word in sustain. It's a word that means to stay and stay put. Stay in him. Stay close to him, rooted in him, part of him. Be part of him. Further on in the book of John, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Until we all reach, this is Ephesians, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole major, the fullness of Christ. And in Philippians, what, I, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. <laughs> I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation of his sufferings. I want to know Christ. Are you feeling that draw from him tonight? Are you feeling maybe the Holy Spirit say, come to me. I want that communion, that relationship with you. So many times we come to God because we have a need or a crisis or an obligation. But it's so much more than that. All those are important and he will take care of those things. But he wants more of you than that. I think this. I think the more that we apprehend what he has done, I love this word apprehend, because it's not quite comprehend, but it's as if I'm catching and I'm starting to figure out what he has done for me. You know what, you know what leads me into that apprehension? Is, is when I take a look, an honest look at the depravity that I know is within me. When C.S. Lewis wrote the Screwtape Letters, if you're, if you're not familiar with that book, he, he's such an amazing writer. What, what he did was he wrote that book as if it was written from a, um, the perspective of a senior demon from a junior tempter who's writing to the senior demon on strategies on how to tempt a human being. And as he's writing the book, he just shows so much of our human nature and our failings and it's comical, and it's funny, and it's insightful. And a, and a writer once asked him, um, how did you do it? How did you come up with this? And he said, I just looked inside myself. wasn't that hard. <laughs> the more clearly I see my need for him, the more I want to know him more. I think of it like this. Now, this is maybe way out, but I want you to imagine this with me for a minute. Imagine... Imagine that you're, you're a person who's living, let's say, let's say in the first century. And the Romans ransack your village and take you as a slave. You're stripped away of all your family, separated from everything. Not only stripped away from them, but stripped away from all your possessions. You're taken and made a slave. You're humiliated. You're thrown into the arena as a gladiator, stripped down naked. With all you're, all you're given is a knife and then you're supposed to fight a wild beast. What are you going to do? You know that everything is lost. And then when the, has anybody been to the Colosseum? 
it's, it's an amazing, amazing architectural thing. If you can imagine this dirt floor that's built there, they built it that way with these pathways underneath and all these caverns. And so they could pop up, they have trap doors that would pop up and they would have an animal come out at, at bizarre places or on the sides. So you had no idea where this is going to come from. And then you're face to face with a beast that's been starved and it sees you as food and you know you have no hope, no hope. And then all of a sudden somebody jumps in your place. And not only do they jump in your pace, but they're, they physically dominate this animal and it whimpers away. And then you're whisked away from there and taken away and put in a palace and clothed and given things. Wouldn't you want to know who that was? Wouldn't you want to know more about the person who saved you and gave his life for you? Wouldn't you want to know why they would even do that? Wouldn't you want to know all about them, all about their character and where they came from and what drove them to be that kind of person to save other people? Why why wouldn't we want to know more about him? I feel like the more I appreciate the depth of what he did for me, the sacrifice, what he left, I mean, he is the king of kings. And he humbled himself to come down to his own creation. Not only did he take the form of the creation, but then he allowed the creation to humiliate him. Unbelievable. When I think about the Easter story, and I think that he created the wood he was hung on and the hammer that drove the nails into his hands. He made that. He made the person who did it. He did that for us. Why? He was driven to it by a love for us that I can't comprehend. And I want to. And the more I think about it, the more I'm driven to know who he is. I want to know more about him. I want to know, I want to know what makes him tick, what makes him work, what drives him to that. I want to try to comprehend what he's done for me. How do you do that? Have you ever heard this phrase? Well, maybe you haven't. But one of the earliest terms uh, for the Christians, was called the way. We were called the way. And so a phrase came about that meant that you would say to somebody, like I might come to Rick, because it wasn't popular to be a Christian, they were persecuted, I might come to Rick and say, are you in the way? And Rick would say, yes or no. Kind of a little secret thing Christians had going in the first century there. Problem is, some of us are in the way. You notice that? And the longer you're in the way, you just get in the way. Do do you think maybe that the reason that the new Christians, I mean, you've seen new converts, right? And how they're excited and bubbling over and can't wait and they want more of the word and they just devour it and they tell everybody about it and they can't be controlled. And then you see these other Christians who've been in the way a long time and they say, it's all right, son. Eventually you'll, you'll calm down. You'll get more like us. I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be somebody who's just been a Christian a long time. I want to be somebody who's continually growing and growing in my faith daily and learning more about him all the time. All the time. Yeah, it's kind of like, remember New Love? Remember? Maybe... Maybe you, you're walking through it again with a child or something and you, you watch how excited they get and they can't eat and they can't think about anything else and all they want to talk about and it's funny and yet at the same time you're looking at it and thinking, oh, you're going to get hurt bad. 
And then maybe part of you is thinking, I remember that, and it was kind of cool. And you know how it goes where you want to know everything about them. You want to know everything about that person. You can stay up all hours of night talking to them, and everything they say is interesting, right? And you laugh at every stupid thing. Remember? All the little details, all about the past and everything they're doing and everything, every dream and everything in the future. Then eventually the coals kind of grow cold, right? And you end up with a casual relationship. And the same thing happens with our spiritual relationship with Christ. And it's on fire. And maybe something happens. Maybe the church wounds you or a person in the church or the pastor or something happens where you're offended or hurt and you turn away from God. Or maybe, maybe you pray a prayer that's so heartfelt and there's no reason he wouldn't answer and yet an answer doesn't come. And a tragedy comes and then you transfer that to him and you start to grow cold in that relationship. Maybe, like the church in uh, Ephesus, you've lost that first love. John wrote this, and these are Jesus' words. He says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And to the church at Laodicea, he writes, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And this famous, famous scripture, remember this scripture? My parents had this picture in their, in their house. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Most of my Christian life, especially growing up, I thought that was a verse for non-Christians. You realize it's for a church? It's for you? When Jesus is knocking at the door, it's our heart he's knocking at the door of. Because he wants more of a relationship with you. More than what you have now. Whatever that is. Maybe this. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to step on toes. Well, maybe I am. Maybe you're an outer court worshiper. Have you heard of this? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll explain what I mean here. This is a diagram of the Herod's temple here. And the women, well, the Gentiles, worse, all the non-Jews, you know, you'd have to be way out on the outside there. And then the women were relegated to that outside part down there. And then <clears throat> as you get up to the top there, the men of Israel could come into that nearer area. But then the priests are the only ones who could get to the altar and then into the main temple. And then the high priest would go into the holy place once a year. Right? Remember what happened when Jesus was crucified? Remember that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom? That wasn't just symbolism. What it meant was that now we have access right into his presence. Right into his presence. But unfortunately, most of us are satisfied with being on the outside somewhere. Or maybe just close enough. It's like you're warmed by the fire, but you don't want to get too hot. Hmm. You know... Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God wants this to happen too. I don't want you to ever think that what I'm talking about is something you have to work hard at all by yourself. I'm not saying it doesn't take effort, but I'm not saying that what I am saying is that you don't do it alone. How do you do this? Time. 
time is huge. Time is something that we have less and less of. Kind of one of the promises of the industrial age and then anybody that grew up with the Jetsons, we thought machines would do everything and we have all this leisure time, right? And that's not what happens. We have less and less time. We fill our days with whatever else we have. It's like this, what the first, one of the first churches I worked in, my office used to be a closet. And they just, <laughs> we, we had to build the desk in the office because it wouldn't go through the door. And uh, when, when we got a new, uh, I don't remember, I, I don't remember if he's an intern or what, but he was complaining about his space or whatever. And uh, our associate pastor said, if I gave you more space, you would just fill it with junk. And I remember kind of laughing and think, at first I thought, well, that's kind of mean. But then I, th- I started thinking, we do do that, don't we? We just do that. How often, though, do we give him that time? And not, not just time, but, but some of the best time. Usually what we do is we find when we got space in the, cal- in, the, in the calendar, in the day, and give him that time. We don't give him a preferred time. Fellowship with Christians. There's a reason that we're told to fellowship with one another. Because there are people who can take us to different places in Christ that we've never been. Places ahead of us, places we never thought to explore before. I love sharing uh, scripture. I love that men's, uh, the men's uh, breakfast thing we do on Thursday mornings. I love hearing the thoughts of these guys because it takes me places I hadn't thought of before. Joe's life group on, on, one, on second and fourth Tuesdays. Again, it's, it's exhilarating to hear what God is doing. Nobody has the angle on everything. Fellowship is important. It takes us there. I can't say enough about scripture. I don't want to read scripture as a tool or use it only. I want it to be something that comes alive to me. So because of that, I've, I've tried so many different ways to study the Bible, and I would encourage you to do that as well. And when I say this, I know some of you are thinking, I don't have time to do all that. Maybe. But when you're drawn to him this way and you want to know more about him, then you go to the scripture in different ways. For instance, you might go and you just want to know what kind of guys were these? And you start looking at different things as you're reading the scripture. And as you're reading the the gospels, you're looking at it not just to see what the message was, but what's the background of this? I mean, they really were fishermen. That's interesting. And as I'm reading it, I'm finding more and more fisherman terms and things that, uh, you know, people who aren't around fishing, they don't get it unless you spend time looking at it. Character studies, find out what these people, what made them tick? What was it about them? Explore tons of different things. Meditation kind of has an Eastern mysticism idea to it, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you just contemplate, when you take a thought and, and work it out and really think hard about it. Most of the time we don't want to think hard, do we? Thinking hard is work. I know that. And usually we want to just kind of drift on the surface and take it easy. But there's times when you really need to grapple with something. God, why, why is it this way? Why, why did you, why'd you put us in charge of evangelism? I'm not really good at that, I don't think. I don't think I'm the best one for it. How much easier would it have been if I could just set an appointment with him and he'd be here? I mean, why not? I mean, Think about these things. Why did he want to use me? Why would he make himself in me? Why? Let's, oh, prayer. 
we've been talking about prayer, but here's what I want to really emphasize. Not prayer just to ask for things, but to know him. Have you ever done that? That you spent time, God, I'm not coming to you with a request right now. I just want to know you. I just want to talk. Sharing your faith, you get to know Christ. Sharing your faith because you need him really bad. And there's times where you feel like you have nothing else to hold on to but him. And you're shaking in your boots and everything that you can think of, you just ran out of your mind. It's like your brain just drained. You need to know him and he will speak to you in those times. Worship and praise. Have you ever been worshiping and you realize you have no idea what you just sang? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to waste these moments where these songs we're singing are meaningful. And as we're singing them, I want to sing them as a prayer and say, God, this isn't true for me right now, but I want it to be. I desperately want to know you more. Journaling, blogging is an internet term for journaling online. Giving for some people gets you to know God. When you trust him enough to trust him with your finances. There's some ways I want to challenge you to know him. To know him in an intelligent way that explores his nature. God's nature. The divine and human parts of him. The attributes. I mean, he's all-knowing, all-powerful. The beauty, the peace, the justice, the righteousness, his grace, his works, the shame he went through. Have you ever thought about knowing him affectionately? Maybe for some of us guys, that might seem awkward. But do you have an affection for him? A literal love for him that drives you to know him more and to serve him more faithfully? Have you ever thought about knowing him and being excited about that? Have you thought about your knowing him would make you happy? I mean, seriously happy beyond? How about knowing him that refreshes you and cleanses you? How about a knowing that it's so magnetic that other people want to know you too? Now, let me ask you again. I'm going to step on some toes again. Do you really want this, though? Because it's a lot more comfortable to just compartmentalize him and keep it on Sundays and Wednesdays. You know? It's, it's easier that way. And I know for some of us, we want to keep him at a safe distance because if we let his light into some of the dark places in us, that means we might have to give up some things. And it might make us uncomfortable a little bit because we might have to change some of our patterns and our habits. And unfortunately, sometimes we're cozy with just the way we are. And ultimately, sometimes as Christians, we flirt with sin just a little bit. Not all the way, but we just want to be there a little bit. Let me ask you, you are good. You're here. You're here on a Wednesday. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I get it. I'm not trying to be offensive. But I'm saying this. You're saved. That's good to be saved. But there's more. Not only that, you have a relationship with him now, and I'm happy for that, but there's more. There's more. You're sanctified and you're holy, and you are. I know you. You're good people. Good, way better than me. But you know what? Even at that, there's more. There's more of him for you to know. There's more of him for you to experience. You're a prayer warrior. I am impressed. But there's more. There's more of God that he wants to show you and more relationship that he wants to have with you. You're already happy? I'm glad. Because happy's good. I mean, happy's a wonderful place to be. But there's even more for you. You're secure? There's more. You know a lot about him? Great. 
Because there's more. There's more. He's standing at the door. That was written to a church. It's written to you. He's standing at the door knocking. What I'm asking you to do is literally to change your routine. To, to make a conscious decision to change your routine to fit more of him in. More of him in. Whatever that means. Carve out a time and a place for him that's a, that's a good one. A good place. Don't give him your leftovers, but give him something that, that communicates to him, I want to know you. For me, that, that turned it off my radio. Because I have this constant stream of news and talk in my mind, always. And I turn it off. And I have to do that because I, I, was, I felt convicted about that, that I had to do that to, to show him this is more important. Him, my relationship with him is more important than any of that. <clears throat> come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. It's not automatic. This is not like standard, didn't come with the car. You're a Christian, you're getting to heaven, I'm happy. But I want more. God wants more. He wants more from, her, from you. It starts right here tonight, but it doesn't even end here. And we could call you to the altar and you could start that right now, but I don't even want to do that. You know why? Because this isn't where it's going to continue. Where this kind of Christian life continues is beyond this place. It's at home, on your own time, in your car, in a place that you choose. Christ seemed to favor the mountains. I don't know why. Maybe that's just the place he could get away. I love it. I, I, I think it's great. I always tease my urban friends about that. Where is it for you? What, is it, what will it take for you to change your schedule to make more of him? Shut your eyes with me for just a moment. Actually, would you stand and shut your eyes for just a moment? With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you're on your feet here. I, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Do you want more? Do you want more of him? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to come forward. What I'm asking is for you to tell him. Just simply tell him in your own words. As Nick plays, just tell him, God, I want more.